0: put
1: Alright, well you know what that music means right that means that you are about to start listening to sitting with jan luca here at radio free brooklyn at radiofreebrooklyn.com thank you for sitting with me uh if you are expecting i announced last week that great michelle Shocked was going to be on the air this week uh this wednesday and due to scheduling conflicts we had to postpone it till next wednesday 6 p.m that would be november 20th she will be my guest she might play a couple of songs as well so please come back (laughs) however sitting with me today is the great and i'm thrilled about this we're going to be doing a woody guthrie hour um because sitting with me is phil bueller who wrote a uh, book called what he thought Wardy 40, about when Woody Guthrie, his final five years in a uh, hospital out in New Jersey where uh, Bob Dylan uh, would come and visit him, etc. So we're going to get really into that with Phil Bueller, but I want to introduce him right now, right? Phil, oops, let me turn that down. Thank you. Oh, wait, you're not on. Help. Are you on the right microphone? You're not on the wrong microphone. No, that's all right. This one? There you go. That's better. You're on mic three. <laughs> this, is, this is how... You were on the wrong microphone. I was, I'm on the wrong everything. <laughs> but but uh, this is live radio, and uh, I do these uh, little faux pas deliberately. Otherwise, people will think that we've done this in a slick studio. And uh, I, I want people to know that this is like live radio. But thank you, Phil, for sitting with me. You you did a wonderful book. Woody Guthrie has been um, Woody Guthrie has been examined and written about, and talked about, and sung about all over the place. And you actually dis- you actually uh, found um, wrote a book about the only five years of his life that had not been fully discovered, right?
0: Uh,
1: yeah, or, or acknowledged, really.
0: Yeah, it was kind of the. You know this American icon folk singer yeah. activist. Yeah. Um, nobody wanted to hear that part of his life that was a sad ending.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a sad ending. I, I'm I'm actually gonna start immediately. Let's just start playing some Woody Guthrie. I I want to talk about his legacy and why um so many years. Well, when when did he die? I've forgotten now. Yeah. A long seven.
0: Huh. Sixty-seven.
1: Sixty-seven. So why? What is this? 60 years after his death, 50 years after his death. Uh, we still hold him to such high regard. Um, so I'm going to start off by playing, uh, one of his songs. Uh, all his songs sadly are still pertinent today. Woody Guthrie came out of the dust bowl. He, uh, he came out of the time of uh, racism. Well, you should set this up, right? I mean, he came out at a time when it was segregation and racism. He rode the rails and he played with black people, white people. He, he hung out with Mexican railroad workers and Chinese railroad workers. He really was like a, a civil rights icon as well as a musician. Yeah, he came out of a
0: Oklahoma, a moderately successful father, but then he lost everything because of the the Dust Bowl and his mother being committed for Huntington's disease. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up in Texas, and then he left and rode the rails to California. Mm-hmm. That's where he met all the migrant workers right, and, uh, and the protesters that were trying to get rights in California.
1: And that perfectly cues up this next song, because he wrote a song about trying to get to California. At the time, California was the land paved with gold, and at the
0: time... It was hard to get into California, right? It was so Yeah, they stopped you at the border of right. California and then made you have money. And if you didn't have any money on you, they wouldn't let you in.
1: Yes, and that song was written decades and decades ago, over half a century ago, and um uh is it out of date? <laughs> well,
0: sir,
1: <laughs> it all comes around again. It all comes Oops, it all comes around again. So I'm going to play uh so that we know that you know who we're talking about and why we're talking about a song that is sadly pertinent, Woody Guthrie and uh, Do Re Mi
2: Folks back east they say he's leaving home every day Beating the hot old dusty way to the California line Across the desert sands they roll Getting out of that old dust bowl They think they're going to a sugar bowl But here's what they find Now the police at the port of entry say You're number 14,000 for today Oh, if you ain't got the do me you ain't got the do-re-me, why, you better go back to beautiful Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee. California is a garden of Eden, a paradise to live in or see. But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot if you ain't got the do-re-me. Oh, to buy you a home or farm, that can't deal nobody harm Or take your vacation by the mountains or sea Don't swap your old cow for a car, you better stay right where you are You better take this little tip from me Cause I look through the want ads every day But the headlines on the papers always say If you ain't got the dough, pray me, boys you ain't got the do me Why, you better go back to beautiful Texas Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee California is a garden of Eden A paradise to live in or see But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot If you ain't got the do me
1: Yeah, Woody Guthrie, there. Do re mi. You can't come in unless you got the do re mi. Uh, in no way relevant in today's climate, correct, Phil? Sir, sir, sir certainly not (laughs) certainly not i'm so glad those times are over (laughs) (laughs) my guest here at 609 here at the uh, at the uh radio free brooklyn uh uh clock and my guest is phil bueller We're, we're gonna like do a whole lot of talking about woody guthrie's last year last years last five years that that really you uncovered no one had really kind of acknowledged it but i want to talk about a little bit about why we are talking about Woody Guthrie. And um, uh, he's more, you could arguably say that songwriting leads to Woody Guthrie, but uh, I want to uh, dress him in a slightly different, different suit uh, because Woody Guthrie, in the same way that Bob Marley and John Lennon are, are seen as musicians and songwriters, they are also seen as symbols of peace, symbols of integrity, symbols of uh, unity, and symbols of um, anti-racism. And uh, Woody Guthrie famously had that written on his guitar, this mach- this machine kills fascists. So he's, he's really a symbol as much as a highly prolific songwriter. We're going to get to that a little bit later. So I'm just going to start by um, playing a couple of songs. Written by modern art, modernish artists, anyway, uh, about, uh, 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 about Woody Guthrie, actually. And the first one, <laughs> yesterday, I actually saw a Christmas decoration <laughs> up in uh, somewhere in the West Village. <laughs> And uh, anyway, so this is a highly appropriate song. Steve Earl wrote a beautiful song, and he calls on Woody Guthrie. It's called "Christmas Time in Washington." And let me just cue this up properly so that, uh, so that I don't play the wrong thing at the wrong time, which I probably will anyway. But here it is, Steve Earl from his album El Corazón, The Heart, and this is "Christmas Time in Washington."
3: Christmas time in Washington, the Democrats rehearsed. Getting into gear for four more years, but things not getting worse. Republicans drank whiskey neat, I think they're lucky stars. said it cannot seek another term. There'll be no more FDRs and I sat home Tennessee Just staring at the screen An uneasy feeling in my chest Wondering what it means So come back Woody Guthrie I come back to us now Yeah, man. To us now And tell your eyes from paradise And rise again somehow Busted the proud red banners torn to listen to the radio. You think it all was well. i Gen-
1: Oh, God, steve Old, there. Come back, Woody Guthrie. Uh, uh, just, uh, and mentioned, mentioned in the same, in the same uh, breath as Martin Luther King. And, uh, I mean, I'm just playing that just to lay down, uh, like, how Woody Guthrie is a symbol and people are still writing about him and singing about him as a, um, as a campaigner for uh, a better world. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to play another one about these actually. Alabama three is an electronica, uh, an English electronica band. I'm going to skip from folk to electronica with a, with a crash. No, I mean, just to say that Woody Guthrie is still current, sadly, uh, everything he sang about sadly is the problems he sang about and campaigned about sadly are, um, still here and as Steve Earl said we really need him back or people like him back to uh to do that so this is a song by the Alabama Three if you've seen the Sopranos and you know the theme song woke up this morning bought myself a gun it's actually by this English band from South London Brixton called the Alabama Three they wrote a song um called Woody Guthrie I'm going to read some lyrics out I've played the song before as an acoustic version, but I'm actually going to play the original electronica version just to, to, to show how Woody Guthrie, um, still runs through the seam of modern music. And here, here's some words that they sing in the middle. Current, uh, and I. A uh, 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 fifth generation, I'm uh, from five generations of immigrants and refugees, so this means a lot to me. Sing a song for the asylum seeker, for the frightened baby on some foreign beach. You better bang a gong and pray they reach a safe harbor. Anyway, that's from a song by the Alabama Three called Woody Guthrie.
4: Another psychopath in Iowa Loading up another round While the NRA in Columbine Put Marilyn Manson down Powder in the Pentagon Crew letters in the mail Some KKK white supremacist Cooking up a dose of race hate. I tell you now I don't need no country I don't find no, I no flag, I cut not slack for
5: the Union Jack Stars, and stripes, I got me jet pledge here. I don't need no country. I don't fight no flag. I got no flag for the Union Jack. Stars, and stripes, I got me jet pledge here.
4: MP's scare refugees, senseless up in old town. Hyper in Downing down in street for petrol on the flames. Stop to cries, ask Patty, why do we always get the blame? I tell you now, I don't need no country. I don't fly no flat. I cut off slap for the
5: flag, union check. Star strips, got my chest plague. Yeah. I don't need no country. I don't fly no plan. But you junior jack, stars, stars, got the right here James Harper, a sign of secret. frightened baby, I'll stop Falling, bitch, you be better Bang
4: some hey. oh. mother in Jakarta lays down her weary head in some free trade zone compound really work you till you're dead. Hunger stalks the corridors, famine and disease. I've seen the multinationals walking hand in hand with globalizing marketeers. I tell you now, well, I no country. I
5: I come off the staff of the Union Jack, Stars, drives, and stripes, got the Jet Band here. I don't need no country. I don't find no way. I come off the staff of the Union Jack, Stars, drives, and stripes, got the Jet Band here. I don't need no country. Jack, stars, stripes, got yeah, me checked right, yeah, yeah. the song,
1: Oh Alabama 3 Song called Woody Guthrie I'm going to uh, say those words again Sing a song for the asylum seeker For the frightened baby on some foreign beach, you better bang a gong and pray they reach a safe harbor. That was the Alabama Three, um, the band that uh, did the theme tune for The Sopranos, preceded by uh, Steve Earle, Christmas Time in Washington. I'm so glad those songs are just not relevant anymore <laughs> right phil oh by the way you're listening to, to sitting with jan luca here at radio free brooklyn sitting with me is phil bueller who uh who i've not let a word i've not let him get a word in
0: edgewise <laughs> i put two more words in there
1: <laughs> you put two more words i will jump in anytime you want <laughs> don't worry you won't upset you won't upset my feelings much <laughs> But anyway, Phil is here because he wrote a wonderful book, uh, uh, put it together, called Warty Forty, Woody Guthrie's. Uh, that was uh, when he, he died a very slow and painful uh, death in, uh, in the Greystone Park Hospital. Um, well, I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to give you over the mic. Don't worry, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> But I just want to lay down why Woody Guthrie, why we're talking about Woody Guthrie. And, um, he wrote a song called Deportee, Plane Crash, uh, a song called Deportee, as I just played the Alabama Three, um, uh, singing about, uh, uh, deportees and refugees. We should, uh, play Woody Guthrie, um, from decades ago, singing kind of about the same thing. Do you, do you know much about this song, Phil?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. He, um, People asked Woody how he got his topics to write, and he would just pick up the paper and find things that struck him. And he saw this story about um, a plane crash in 1948 in California, and like 32 people died, mm. but they named only the white people, and then it was 28 Mexicans, uh. and who were buried in like, you know, without their names, they didn't oh. tell their families, and that was it. So he he uh, wrote this song deportees what were their names you'll hear it and um, which is fascinating to me is looking into the history of things in that recently only a few years ago uh, this writer Tim Hernandez decided to find out what their names were and he kind of dug up some records and then contacted the Mexican community from where these uh, the deportees were from and uh, who were m- like migrant farm workers they were sending back and uh, he found their names and uh, And it's so topical now because I'm even doing work down at the border in Nogales to show what the border wall is doing. So uh, it's all history just as runs in streams and themes and circles.
1: Yeah. Well, here's another song that sadly is not relevant anymore, right? (laughs) 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 That Woody Guthrie writ decades ago. Well, we should play it because we've been talking about it. Let me see. Deportee Woody Guthrie The crops are all in
3: The peaches are rotting The oranges are piled In their so dumped They're flying you back To the Mexico border they pay all your money To wait back again
1: Goodbye Oh, wait a second. Live radio at its best, Radio Free Brooklyn listeners. (laughs) You are listening to Sitting With Jan Luca here at uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. And I just put on someone else's version of that. And I'm not even sure there is a Woody Guthrie version of... There is somewhere. Well, we're going to dig it up. Uh, But in the meantime... In the meantime, we're gonna dig it up later. But in the meantime, I do I do want to bring uh uh sitting with me today is Phil Bueller, who uh who wrote um Warty Forty. What's a publisher, Phil? Um Woody Guthrie
0: Publications.
1: Okay. Oh, so you had the uh, uh full uh permission by the Woody Guthrie Archives to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a long story in itself in that uh we had, you know, legitimate publishers lined up and then Beside the market tanking, we uh, they told us it wasn't the time to do a, uh, a do-good book. Oh, a do-good book? <laughs> <laughs> the, the book they were doing was on these, you know, decorated, the book for the, they were all proud of, was this uh, photography book of decorated cakes. And oh! I, and I knew that our book was not going to see the light of day until we put it out, our, you know, Woody Guthrie Publications put it out, so... <laughs>
1: decorated Me- cakes oh, you missed your chance phil I you know. could have been a famous in the in the decorated
0: uh, cakes world <laughs> <laughs> i would have left my mark i would you would have
1: definitely add, left your mark. To our culture yeah we don't know you would have left your mark i mean it could have been a skid mark but who knows <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you wake up at 4 a.m in the cold sweat regretting that you passed up that chance yeah but 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 can you i mean you should talk a little bit maybe um like what how woody guthrie um ended up in new jersey like what was the final years of his life and when did
0: things start to go a little bit askew he um they weren't his mother died of huntington's disease and uh which is like this horrible you know like uh degenerative disease. It's kind of like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's all in one, but it shows up when you're about 35 and then slowly you lose control of your body and 15 years later you die. And there's no cure for it yet. There's only just recently a treatment for it. And, uh, you know, if, if your parent had it, you had a 50, 50 chance of having it yourself Mm -hmm. and, uh, Woody inherited it from his mother. They thought, the symptoms are masked because Woody was a bit of an alcoholic and, and alcoholism looks like that a bit. And, uh, so they, he thought he was an alcoholic who was always afraid of it. And then he would, uh, actually we, ended up in Greystone hospital in New Jersey was they thought he, uh, was on his way to, um, Philadelphia. Uh, and he got off the bus in like Morris town or Morris Plains, New Jersey. And they picked him up, they think they think he went into a bar had a drink came out the bus had left and there he was and uh since he's disoriented because the Huntington's and he drank uh they picked him up and they actually arrested him for uh i don't know vagrancy and then brought him to the psychiatric hospital uh and then he was committed because the uh the doctors there thought he was paranoid schizophrenic because he told all these stories about writing ten thousand songs and
1: Oh, so he was picked up on a criminal charge originally, is how he ended up uh,
0: for well oh vagrancy or whatever. And yeah. then they brought him to the hospital and then and then uh the doctors there did, they thought he was delu they were in his papers. I would got him from the family's uh the archive records, you know, that he was delusional. Delusions of grandeur. Because he said <laughs> he wrote all these songs and <laughs> and and uh one of his songs was really popular, made him tens of thousands of dollars, uh when which, the almanac singer sang it and Oh which one was that? Uh um Oh I'm I'm trying oh, to like, could
1: it could have be been This Land is your land?
0: No, 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 no. That was before earlier. This is when the like Seeger and them made famous in the fifties. Okay. Uh that hit like number one in the country. And anyway, so they thought he was, you know, um uh nuts. Nuts. And and <laughs> His family was kind of estranged from his family at the time, and they were all in, you know, the su- it was the summer, so they were all in like the Catskills for the summer, and uh, there's no f- cell phones, and uh, so it took him six months to change the diagnosis. They and then they loaded him up on Thorazine, which made it even worse. Oh. And because uh, yeah. the
1: original diagnosis what, was alcoholism
0: or no paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, paranoid schizophrenia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, because. It's, Wrote 10,000 songs, got $10,000 for writing a song. He was in three invasions in the war. And they didn't believe any of it. Oh, uh, he was in three invasions. Yeah, he was in the Merchant Marine. Ah. And uh, his, one of his boats was, tor- you know, the boats he was on, ships he was on, was torpedoed. And, you know, it's, he was, uh, you know, um, the real deal. Uh huh. And they didn't know it. Uh, so, um, but I didn't know any of this. I'm not even a, a musician. My brothers are the musicians in the family. I just, I photograph abandoned places and uh, I've been doing that for 45 years. And I happened to photograph an abandoned psychiatric hospital in Jersey, Greystone Park. Right. And in the basement were some, the files, the mugshot, you know, intake and discharge photos of the patients. I wondered what stories were there. And then I went home and researched it and found out what he got through was there. And that became this rabbit hole I went down for years. Wait, wait, i got to ask, as, as a music nut, what was the band? What band? The band that you were photographing. I wasn't photographing a band, I was photographing the psychiatric hospital.
1: Oh, just for, for
0: what reason? Because that's what I do. I, phot- okay. I photograph abandoned places. Okay. And...
1: Oh, oh, sorry, that's where I got it wrong. I thought you said abandoned places. Oh, I thought you said band. I was photographing a band oh, in... No. <laughs> oh. That's all right. Well, two different cultures, no, separated two, by a common language. Yeah, right. Yeah. Two same cultures separated by a common language. Okay, back to you, Phil. I'm glad <laughs> we uh, we sorted that out. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, so just by act, just coincidentally, it was abandoned. How long had it been abandoned for? Since the
0: 70s, when they they deinstitutionalized all of the mental patients, in this you know, for they had patient rights, and they. Uh, you know they could d- not take the thorazine, so they didn't want to. So then may- that's where the homeless population skyrocketed in the seventies, mm. and so they pretty much closed down most of the hospital. I had ten thousand patients at one point, and wow. and then down to like five hundred. So um, yeah, so whole sections were just closed off, and down <laughs> in the sub sub cellar were the dark room and the, the patient records. So wait, I mean, one. So, had did they literally just lock the door and and the
1: staff just left and left everything there? I mean, it's amazing Almost, that you think of, they, of 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 psychiatric records just lying in a just lying there.
0: Yeah, yeah. When that story got out, the the governor of New Jersey uh, wanted the police, the state troopers, to arrest me next time I was on the property because because of all the HIPAA records, you know, all of the records. That word got out that they just left them after that story got out. Uh, they cleaned it up. Oh, everything disappeared. Yeah. They finally erased there for 50 years. Don't blame me that they, (laughs) did. but that's actually, I went, um, after I found out Woody Guthrie was there and that's where Dylan met him, I went uh, to the Woody Guthrie archives, which at the time were in Manhattan on 57th street and I met Nora Guthrie, his daughter. And she, I showed her some photographs I took and she kind of, Because I wasn't a Woody Guthrie disciple and not crazy, you know, like one of these people that just want to... Not like me. Yeah, not like you. And uh, she gave me full access to the archives. I could just go through his, you know, all these records and handwritten letters and songs that he had never published and and, uh, his medical records. So I got his case number. And then I went back to the hospital, the abandoned basement. And down there in the records, I found uh, his intake and discharge photos So actually... These big five by seven negatives of Woody, Uh, uh, where he showed, he looked like in one, the 1956 one, this riding the rails, charismatic looking guy. And then in 1961, it was really sad. Five years later, and he looked like he was 80. And uh, so that became like, I just, that was it. That was the story I was going to pursue for the next five, 10 years.
1: Um, Because, because the book. Has wonderful pictures of it.
0: Uh, I should just uh, uh, say what it's (laughs) called. Just hold them up to the microphone.
1: I hold it. Well, (laughs) well, that kind of leads me into my next question perfectly, actually. It's a good segue, which was uh, before I ever actually heard the word segue. I used to, I used to read it as sig. (laughs) Um, but now I know it's called segue and now I can't use that word enough. But, um, Woody Guthrie's Wardy 40 it's on uh it's on well in collaboration with nora guthrie and the woody guthrie archives what's the publisher woody guthrie publications woody guthrie publications uh, okay.
0: you can get it on their website um because i'm just uh, what's what's the website woody
1: okay and because i'm just holding the book up to the radio and opening the pages <laughs> which clearly does not work um you're going to you what does I mean, what did that place even look like when you? I mean, when you approached it, I mean, and what did that place where all the files was? What was it a big room? Was there tons of files? What? What? Yeah. Can you describe this to us?
0: Well, the place to me, um, it's like a thousand acre campus. There were probably like seventy five buildings there. Maybe wow. three of them still occupied. They had like three hundred patients, so they they kind of. Closed off most of them where the doctors used to live. There were like 2,000 staff members. You know, so they closed off several. It was huge. Huge. And many buildings. So the the three. Is is it
1: huge like a city block huge
0: or? Arlo said it would, was like its own self-contained city. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, basically they had wood shops and farms and orchards and power station. It was self-contained. That that was the theory of mental, uh, taking care of mental illness was to segregate the people from the population and then make it kind of like a city where they do stuff. They don't do that anymore, but they used to have like, you know, all the patients were taking care of the, you know, the farms and the animals and, you know, the woodworking. So that, that's what it was in its prime. It was built in 1875 when they started to realize it was a mental illness from all the people coming back from the Civil War with shell shock. Uh-huh. And uh, these big, massive hospitals all over the country, which many of them are still there, these big Kirkbride buildings. And uh, then it closed about 75. Um, And they just, yeah, they pretty much, you know, since they were going to a much smaller buildings, they didn't need the beds. They didn't need the, there were rooms with typewriters and like all of memo, uh, uh, equipment. And it was a hand-cranked, uh, electroshock machine there. Oh, <laughs>
2: whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> uh, and there were hospi-
0: operating rooms where they did the first large-scale study of lobotomies. Oh
1: my god!
0: Yeah. So this was that's uh, that sounds terrifying. It's, uh, it started off so well by saying we oh, had wood sho- wood shop
1: uh, wood shopping, well, and now electroshock like, and lobotomies well, happen.
0: There, no, there was no treatment beside occupational right. therapy until. Electroshock and, and wow. insulin shock, and then psychotropics in the fifties. Sure, sure. And uh, there was no talking cure back then. And uh, so, yeah, that was the hospital. It was pretty ten thousand people. Woody was wow. was originally quarant uh, locked up in a lockdown ward because okay. they they thought he was paranoid schizophrenic. And then eventually, when we found out he had a physical disease, not a mental illness, they moved him into a what was a hospital building on the ground. So the hospital had a hospital, general hospital. Hmm. And, uh, that's where he lived for five years in a big ward with like 30 other people. Um, and you know, where there was just beds with a kind of a, almost like what you'd see is open planning in an office building, like a little partition between the spaces. And, um, that's where Dylan met him and where his kids would come out and see him. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, I went to photograph it and it was, you know, if, you, if you've seen ruins porn, uh, where there's a ban- you know carters and peeled paint and sure. dust, that's kind of what it was like, except as a hospital. So you know, and there were you know these big institutional buildings that were always connected by underground steam tunnels, like two, like a story oh. below ground. So. You, oh. Which was the creepiest thing. And then all the kids find that. And then they've got Satan shrines down there with candles and, ah! <laughs> and beer cans and mirrors in the corner. So if somebody came, they could see you. And uh, so uh it was a pretty creepy place to photograph. But after a while, you were like, I got used to it. But you'd go down in the steam tunnels, go from building to building. So I, as I knew Woody's letters, I knew which rooms he was talking about, which building he was in at the time, and tried to use his letters to guide me to photograph places. Eventually, I got into the main building, which was built in eighteen seventy. Oh, oh, can you
1: explain that? Wait, you used Woody Guthrie's letters yeah, to, so to
0: find places? How do yeah, you mean? So he wrote all these, um, the file from f- 1956 in the archives, is is the letters to his family, to Nora, to Arlo, to Jody, and to his wife about the hospital and his family. And one of them, say, he, he wrote about... Uh, there were these, hand, you know, it's a Jody. There's these hand-painted pictures on the wall of my ward. And, uh, you know, one day you're going to be a great painter. And so I was like, oh. So he was in, at the time you wrote this letter, in Ward 40. So when I got to Ward 40, I went, look, and sure enough, on the walls are these murals. of, uh, And they were, like, kind of painted in the WPA era, probably in like the 1930s. So one uh-huh. looked like, uh, one was a reproduction, Thomas Hart Benton um called music lesson of a folk singer teaching his daughter who's uh how to play guitar and another one was tornado over kansas which is interesting because that's what woody's life was like and and uh by um uh john seward curry uh and uh so you know there's these crazy paintings it was woody's life on the wall and they didn't even know who he was and eventually when they tore the building down i uh i convinced some artists uh uh, conservation people to come out and pull one of them off the wall. Oh, that's so in restoration now. Probably go out to the Woody Guthrie <gasps> archives out in uh, Oklahoma now.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, and famously, and famously, uh, Bob Dylan would go and visit him among other people, right?
0: Yeah, when Dylan, I guess, came to meet Woody Guthrie, and then I think he showed up in Coney Island, and Nora answered the door and it <laughs> slammed it on him a few times, and then <laughs> he got in to Arlo, and then eventually went to Greystone. Uh, to meet uh, Woody, uh, kind of his idol. And, uh, yeah, and that uh, kind of the torch was passed.
1: Um, I, should, um, I should play, actually, there's a Bob Dylan song, Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie.
0: Is that uh, the right one to play? Uh, yeah, or Song to Woody. Th- th- here's an interesting story. Um, well, so uh, you I, while, we? while
1: you're saying the story, I'm going to cue it up. So no, we, which song should I play? You yeah, tell song me. to Woody. Song to Woody? Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, from his first album,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: okay, you, 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 you carry on talking. I'm going to dig it up. Yeah. On well, here on live radio, at sitting with Jan Luca. This is how we do it.
0: Well, you know, as I went looking for these people, a lot of them, well, uh, to interview. Uh, so I interviewed Sid Gleason, uh, who her and her husband used to take Woody out of the hospital. They heard uh, on a radio program that Woody was there, and they lived nearby, and, and uh, they went to You know, they went to meet him and then they took him home on weekends to clean him up. And that's where the folkies would come out to East Orange and and, uh, play with him. And uh, but before I found, you know, met Sid, uh, her son, um, Sid's husband, Bob, son from a prior marriage, was looking for her also to Mm. trace his roots back. He found her and all of a sudden one day at work in a box, it wasn't like. Certified mail, or you needed a signature. It just came in a box. He had sent me all this material that he had gotten from Sid. And in there was like Dylan's handwritten lyrics, to Song to Woody, and Mary the Moors, this English folk ballad. And uh and a whole bunch of pictures that Bob Gleason, who's a photographer, took. So I got all this material. It just came in a box. I opened up the box, it was like Christmas. So I photographed it all, and that became part of the book, and then sent it back to him or gave it to Nora um, at the archives. So it's Dylan's handwritten lyrics. You can see the wow. his changes and stuff to any. Sid told me a story of how Dylan sat at her kitchen table and wrote this out for her. Oh, and uh, yeah, so that this is this you know probably considered Dylan's first real composition. Oh, okay, and uh, it was about Woody.
1: Yeah, and it's on on his first record. Yep. And, and here it is, Song to Woody, Bob Dylan
6: I'm out here a thousand miles from my home Walking a road, other men have gone down I'm seeing a world of people and things Dear paupers and peasants and princes and kings Hey, hey, Woody Guthrie, I wrote you a song About a funny old world that's a-coming along Seems sick and it's hungry, it's tired and it's torn It looks like it's a diet and it's hardly been born. Hey Woody Guthrie, but I know that you know all the things that I'm a saying and a many times more. I'm a singing you this song, but I can't sing enough. Cause there's not many men who've done the things that you've done Here's to Cisco and the Sunny and the Lead Belly too And to all the good people that traveled with you Here's to the hearts and the hands of the men I'd come with the dust and I'd gone with the wind I'm leaving tomorrow but I could leave today Somewhere down the road someday The very last thing that I'd want to do He's to say I've been hitting some hard travelling too.
1: Alright, well Bob Dylan there off his first album Song to Woody, all about Woody, cause he's to go and play for Woody Guthrie. Anyway, if you have just tuned in, you are 47 minutes and uh, five seconds into sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Sitting with me is Phil Bueller, who, who uncovered Woody Guthrie's last five years in a very, very uh, difficult time of his life. And uh, I have to remind you that we here at Radio Free Brooklyn, we are also Radio Free Brookline. And uh, which means we really need money. (laughs) Our lights are flickering. (laughs) The whole radio station is held together by by gaffer tape. (laughs) And (laughs) it's held together by gaffer tape and paper clips. So if you have any jingly jangly in your pocket whatsoever, any shrapnel, um, there's donate buttons on the Radio Free Brooklyn website. If you don't have any jingly jangly, we understand sadly because we also don't have any jingly jangly. Um but uh, like us, tell your friends. Tell your friends about me. I really work my nuts off to do this. Um uh you can like me on face uh on Instagram sitting with GT if you have any requests. Any at all, even if you have requests of me being quiet, I will kind of honor them, but I respond to all People that get in touch with me. Um, Also, we have an app, so if you want to take us on the road, download our app, Radio Free Brooklyn. Fantastic. Sitting with me again is Phil Bueller from uh, uh, who wrote Wardy Forty uh um uh available at WoodyGuthrie.com. fantastic book uh but you, you when we were listening to that song you you wanted to talk, say a sad story let's get uh, <laughs> it's, da- it's dark
0: early these days it's wintertime we're all cold and oh, it's shivering not, it's not that kind of sad um, it's when i talked to sid gleason you know this make a dylan fan cry um a historian cry uh she moved from uh, New Jersey to California. And I said, so what would, and Dylan's first album you'll, you'll see online or anywhere would be D- the, the Gleason tapes. It was a bootleg album and it was recorded at the Gleason's house. All these musicians would come out on weekends to meet Woody, uh, and play like Dylan and others. And, um, he, uh, so Bob Gleason would record these things. So the Gleason tapes was recorded by Bob Gleason and he recorded a lot of things. And I said, so, Uh, and photographed a lot of all these musicians. And I said, Sid, Sid, what happened to the recordings and all these pictures? And there was a few pictures left, but she said, Oh, I didn't, you know, I was going to be moving into a small apartment from the house. So we basically packed it all up in garbage bags and left it at the curb. Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, Horror. uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, somewhere in the landfill in, you know, Jersey city or somewhere is, you know, uh, some trash bags with, some, some unreleased Dylan and other folk music musicians' earliest recordings. Ah. I, I, Probably I, next to Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, Next to Jimmy. G-
1: oh, I, I need to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to take a tranquilizer. That oh. is terrible. Um, right.
0: I always feel like I'm on one step ahead of the wrecking ball trying to pull, because eventually those buildings were torn down yeah. in Greystone. And, and history is there. You know, that's what I got into, not through the music angle so yeah. much as... as um, there's something to rescue in these places and, and you go in and, and there's some meaning and that's what well, it's
1: oh, oh, well, well, I have to say um, there's a Charlie Patton. If you're a, a, a pre, if you're a pre-war country blues fan, legendary Charlie Patton, they found a photograph of him um, in, in a dumpster in some trash. They just found a, um, a rare photo of Biddy the kid playing, playing croquet of all things. (laughs) Some guy picked it up in a, in a junk store for like $3 had it verified. And now it's worth a a mortgage uh, or a couple or three mortgages in New York city of all places. So dumpsters are a gold mine if you, uh, but anyway, um, uh, getting back to the relevance of Woody Guthrie. Oh, God, we're running out of time. So we're going to have to play this sign off and then like finish off real fast. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, this machine kill fascist was on his, um, on his, uh, guitar famously. Um, I met Pete Seeger and on his banjo head was written, this machine surrounds hate and forces it to surrender. Oh, my goodness. This generation of people were just amazing. Um, so, uh, famously and you can set this one up phil um uh uh woody guthrie lived in (laughs) old in a trump (laughs) go for it
0: in a trump housing project there's actually a check a canceled check to the trump organization that came back after the trump signed it old man trump fred trump Uh donald's father who he learns every crooked thing from (laughs) uh so uh, this is a song Woody wrote about Donald Trump's dad,
1: <laughs> and and
0: there is no recording of actually Woody oh, right. singing he,
1: it. So I'm gonna, but but what what happened? They found the lyrics or what?
0: Woody, when he, they would take him out of the hospital, he would just be pockets would be stuffed with paper. He just wrote continuously yeah. all day long, and uh, I think there's like two thousand unpublished Guthrie songs.
1: Just from what? Just from the last five years? No, just from he just. But, oh, oh, just like, because he had music, he had yeah. songwriting Tourette's, didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, just constantly, right through the hospital until yeah. he couldn't write anymore. Mm-hmm. So you better play it. We're oh, out of time. oh, yeah, we're
1: running out of time. <laughs> so so this is actually written by, uh, uh, well, sung by Ryan Harvey, because there's no, and did he write this in hospital? Did no, you know? no, no, this is uh, before. This is, this this is, when is when before, he was when he was actually living in, yeah. in, in, in one, oh, wait, wait, what's happening? <laughs> Live radio, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Uh, uh, Old Man Trump by Woody Guthrie, sang by Ryan Harvey. I'm going to wind this down early because it's uh Sammy from Teens Take to mike is waiting in the wings so uh i sadly have to uh, wind down it's too bad you're so interesting phil it's your <laughs> fault if you've just tuned in you've just missed sitting with jan Luca here at radio free brooklyn my guest has been phil bueller we haven't even scratched the surface of woody guthrie um but um uh so so say you've got like stuff coming up right phil oh yeah
0: not a plug me <laughs> yeah 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 uh, um... about you yes Yeah, another place I photographed is an abandoned dead mall in New Jersey, and I'm having a show of photographs that opens on uh, Black Friday, Uh November 29th, and runs through December 12th. Uh, It's at uh, Front Room Gallery on Hester Street on the Lower East Side, and uh, it has a music angle, too. There was a Sam Goody there have a lot of the signage, and uh, at the gallery, I'll have record bins with about 100 albums from 1973, the, Uh. the year that the mall opened. Like Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, Goodbye Yellowbeck Road. Great year for music. Absolutely. And and, uh, you'll be able to pick them out and play them on the vintage record player in the gallery while you look at pictures of this wrecked mall. You got a website or anything? Yeah, yeah. Modern-ruins.com. Ah,
1: modern-ruins.com. Okay, next week, I'm going to sign off. Sammy is here from Teens. Take the mic. How you doing, Sammy? Uh, uh, standing over me. So I'm going to finish off with next week here at, at Sitting With Jan Luca. Sitting with me will be Michelle Schott, who rarely does interviews, but she is. she thinks that we are good enough. To, to come and sit with us She might even play a couple of songs It would be fantastic It was going to be this week We had to reschedule it I'm going to finish up with a Michelle song uh, Which is um, uh, kind of right for me uh, When I grow up And uh, here she is No, here she's not Let me get this again Studio laptop Oh, wait, what am I doing? Is that right?
2: grow up i watch be an old woman oh and oh no no no
5: woman
6: so tell you what was just die and that
1: thing sometimes sorry about that i got the wrong oh i know what's happening okay this is what's happening sorry sammy sammy's well, I don't know what this song is, but this is kind of cool. I'm going to leave it on because Sammy is on in 3 minutes, and I don't want to I don't want to take your time away. So, thank you Sammy for being so patient and understanding. You've been listening sitting with Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Join me next week with Michelle Shock
2: searching Through the ashes